Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Hey friends, we doing well? You guys survived Philip? All right, he's good, he loves you so much. And, uh, and I really agree with that. 75% of people outside of Providence are uh, signing up for uh, Wind Worship School. And I really, really, really uh, want to see Providence Church uh, be super, super blessed. It's going to be life-changing, and it's going to be so good. Next week, Jason Upton will, will be speaking right now, and he's just a, a legend in the worship world because um, he's a pioneer um, of, of worship and of the Father's heart. But can I tell you this, the best thing about Jason Upton, and this is a word that God put on my heart for, uh, for I think for all of us, I want to encourage us with this word. But Jason Upton isn't like some superstar that sells out uh, stadiums. He's been a lovesick lover of God that is faithfully and daily just going after God, just faithfully throughout the decades. And there's not many people that you can say that about. Uh, lots of people, they get to the stage and the stage kills them. Um, and then they, they, they fall off and they, it's, it's just a, a gory mess. Uh, but a Jason Upton has, has faithfully just gone, contended for his heart and, uh, and for the Father's heart, and, and he's just a, a lover of God, and so we're going to be able to benefit. I want you to benefit from uh, women and men like, like Jason Upton, and so uh, that's why he's speaking here uh, next week. But it's going to be a really uh, wonderfully beautiful time. And so I do, I do want to encourage you, though, I, do, I believe this is for some of us, as we're in a Holy Spirit series, and as I know that the culture loves all like the, the quick, fast heat, right? And they love fire, pops of it, and they love... Uh, uh, moments and encounters, and, and those are all really great things. But I just want to encourage some people um, that what God loves just as much as someone getting, getting wrecked on a Sunday morning or at a conference or whatever, what God loves just as much, I might even say more, is, is faithful people who contend, uh, who contend for their hearts, that their hearts will be filled with his on a daily basis in the secret place when not another soul on the earth knows about them. They're just constantly and consistently going after God. It's the people, like, I really believe that these are days where uh, God wants to um, highlight and encourage the, the, the people in the back, wherever the back is. Sometimes in church, the back is the kitchen. Sometimes the back the, is in the church is the, the nursery. Uh, but God actually wants to shine his, uh, shine his face and his approval on people in the back. And I just want to say that today, that we're just thankful for you. And, and do not neglect the secret places and the small places. Those places are great as well. You like that? Yeah. You like that? All right, good. Good one, encourage you uh, that. And I also want to encourage you to grab your Bibles now because we're going to open them. This is our last week on the uh, Holy Spirit series. I, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Pastor Keith spoke last week. I, I wasn't here for that. Uh, was it any good? Anybody? Was it pretty good? That's what I hear. All right. And uh, man, I, I love Keith's stories. He didn't, uh, he didn't share his fire tunnel story, uh, but uh, you'll have to do that some other time. Man, you went into Baptist, you came out something else. But anyway, um, the, uh, uh, it was really good. We'll, we'll hear that one some other time. But yes, I, I want us to grab our Bibles. And as we're going through the series, this is the, the, the last week in the series. We've dedicated four weeks, but it's not going to be the last time you hear about the Holy Spirit in this church because a Jesus church has to be a Holy Spirit church or it can't be a Jesus church, right? 
We, we have to get used to doing life with the Holy Spirit. We must. It is, it is, there is, is no other option unless we just want to be uh, weak, feeble people that are criticizing the world instead of blasting it with change, all right? So, um, so I, I, I want to encourage us, and I actually and also want us to be able to grab our Bibles and wield these swords. I want us to be able to grab these Bibles and actually open them and say, this is why I believe what I believe. And I actually think this, let me speak into this real quick too, because sometimes you have to teach and sometimes you have to exhort, all right? Let me exhort for a second. I think so many of us have uh, ideas about the Holy Spirit and what he can't do and what he shouldn't do and what shouldn't happen to you or to us or to churches, and you have no clue for $10 billion where you find that in the Bible, all right, this, this has to change. And it's, it's usually Bible-believing people that say, we need to live according to the scriptures and we can't have that ungodliness in church. Show me in the scriptures that you, that, that you hold so high how that is unbiblical, right? And so I just want us to say, hey, I think that the Christian life is way more powerful, way more spicy, way more passionate, and way more weird, biblically speaking, than we have seen in the church. And so I want to start out today, I want to, I want to paint a picture for you, and I want to uh, uh, create a scenario uh, for you. This is, this is not real. It's interesting that Philip said Gene Ladd has given away cars, because here's, here's, my, uh, here's my question this morning. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're out shopping at Target, or if you're a Christian, you know, the grocery outlet, or, you know, as we say. Uh, but I want you to imagine that you are, you are out shopping, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want to give you your dream vehicle. Give. So when you go home, when you drive home, or when, when you get home, ride your bike or skateboard, or however you got here at the grocery outlet, I, I, I want you to know that, that your dream vehicle will be sitting in the driveway just waiting for you as soon as you get home. I, I just I want to give you that, all right? And so that, how many, just somebody shout it out. What's, what's a dream vehicle for you? It can be a tank. It can be a, you know, whatever. What, what, what's a dream vehicle? What is that? Tundra. A Tundra. Shelby Cobra. Those are good ones. A what? A G-Wagon. Yeah, Mercedes. Any, what, what, do you agree with that? All right, you, uh, G-Wagons. Can I get another G-Wagon? Anybody? I'm giving them away today, right? So, yeah. So, uh, so just imagine. How about one more? Well, anybody? A Range Rover. Or Land Cruiser. That's what I, a late 90s Land Cruiser for Nene right here. That's what I would take, all right? Or a Bronco. I take a Bronco. Uh, but uh, so let's say, and we, we, let's say that we say this. So someone says, hey, just name your dream car. It's going to be in the driveway. And so we, we name our car. Surely enough, when we go home, that vehicle, brand new, never used before, has been delivered to us in the driveway. Now, I, I, I want us to imagine that for a second. We have the whole family coming out. The kids are crying. You know, Everybody is so happy and blessed. We got the keys. Somehow they magically appear. We've got like, this really belongs to us. Now, I want to throw a wrench in this story, though, and I, I want to I toss this out, that for some weird reason, you have a conviction that gas should not be used in vehicles, all right? Or if it's a hybrid, if, you're, if your dream vehicle's a hybrid, <laughs> for some reason, all right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, and you love the feel of while you're driving, you know? Um, and and you, you can't hear your vehicle? Wow, uh, it's fun. But uh, anyway, so you, you just don't believe in gas and in gas-powered vehicles, and you don't believe in electric and electric-powered vehicles. You, you love the vehicle. It's your dream. You just don't believe in the fuel that goes in them. All right? Now, I know how, how ludicrous this sounds, guys. 
but bear with me. This is, this is so crazy. And so what you do is you and your family, uh, let's say once a week, let's say Sunday mornings-ish, all right? You get together, and, and you, you, you open the car, and you, you sit in this amazing gasless, electricless vehicle, and you actually watch reels and YouTube clips of other people driving. Kids, look at this one. Do you see how they made it around that corner? I don't know. Can you believe that? Look at the man. That was probably zero to a hundred in like point whatever. Like, and, and you guys are like, wow, wow, wow. So great. And then after about an hour or so, you, you get out and you take your device inside and you every once in a while you occasionally look out the window and you say, wow, what a great vehicle. I can't believe I got it for free. It's amazing. Never driven it ever. Still in mint condition. It's really great. But you, you watch reels of maybe people, maybe like if you have like uh, some type of a land cruiser or something like I would like, you, you look at other people going on camping trips into, the, into places that you could never maybe get to without a vehicle like that and say, wow, like wouldn't that be awesome to do that? You look at people maybe going to the Autobahn and just like, you know, there is no speed limit and just you know, laughing, happy. You look at people making memories and beach trips and cabin trips. You look at people enjoying the scenery, just maybe like a Sunday driving, just, just rolling through beautifully uh, laid out hills and back roads and dirt roads. Every once in a while, you even critique a few other people for their driving skills and their, their uh, lack of you know, turn signals and whatnot. You know, you don't drive, but you love to tell others how they do. You know, the, uh, but anyway. See, guys, listen to this just for a minute, uh, for a moment, that this is just what the church looks like without the Holy Spirit. We've got church buildings that do not allow the Holy Spirit in, just like gas or electric in a vehicle. We just sit and watch others. Now, I think that we've grown accustomed to church without the Holy Spirit, because when, when the Holy Spirit moves in spectacular ways, or maybe with more emotion than, than you prefer, uh, or, uh, or in, in a way that just takes you outside of your comfort zone or outside of your, of your box, and the Holy Spirit's trying to get out, and you're like, ah, that's weird, it's cringe, just whack. And you say, stay in there. I just like driving with no gas, going nowhere. That is how, can, can I recommend that that is the weird thing? You're sitting in a car watching other people drive, and you just refuse to use gas? This is, this is ridiculous. Guys, listen, the church is called to run in, on, around, through, and by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's the, the power. He's, Jesus said, it is better that I go so the comforter, the advocate, the counselor can come. You're supposed, Jesus says in John 4, anybody who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then John actually says he's speaking of the Holy Spirit that's going to be poured out. Like, he, he's supposed to be our fuel. It's supposed to be like life is flowing out of us because of him. And here we are just showing up in motionless vehicles. And I am, I'm not okay with that. Guys, I'm not okay with that. And I, I've been saying, I don't care how many friends I lose. I, I won't sit idly in a car anymore and watch other people drive. I cannot do that. Like, our life is too precious, is it not? Don't, it, it wouldn't the, isn't the greatest dream for you 
to see your children grow up, to be full of the Holy Spirit changing the world, isn't that better than what college they go to and what, what schools they go to and what jobs they have? Isn't it? And isn't it this even better that well, wouldn't it be great if your kids got to see their parents changing the world? Before their very eyes, instead of critiquing the world before their very eyes. Guys, we, we've got so much stuff backwards, and this is a word of exhortation, but it's a word of, of encouragement. I want to welcome us, welcome us in to, to, the, to life with the Holy Spirit. I'm not promising you that it is going to be safe. I'm not promising that. Like, e even, even the Chronicles of Narnia got that with Aslan the lion, right? Yet he is good, but he's not safe. And we get that on kids' shows. We're like, wow, that's really powerful. And I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is good, just not safe. He will get you out of your boxes, and he will break out of the ones you've tried to put him in. And that is good, I'm saying. That is good, I'm saying, guys. God's ways are better than ours. It is good. It is good. It is good. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, uh, says this. It says, do not quench the Spirit. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. Do not quench the Spirit. And this is really creating a word picture of, of uh, you know, quite literally we could translate this of, and is painting this word picture of, of actually having a fire and then, then dousing it with water. It's, it's, it could really be translated accurately, do not put out the Spirit's fire. All right? And, then, and so when you continue on, you, you, you see what puts out the Spirit's fire, and it says, or how are they quenching the Spirit? And it says, do not despise prophecies. I think that that is how you put out the Spirit's fire, that you actually despise the gifts that he gives. Prophecies are, would be spiritual gifts. They're not always going to be used perfectly. But I think that we can actually get to the place in the church where we're like, I've been hurt by someone's prophetic word. I've been hurt by someone's spiritual gift. And so I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to put all of that stuff in a box. And what God wants to do is he wants to get the stuff out of the box. And he actually wants to train and disciple the, uh, the church on how to use these things better. But we have to stop storehousing pain because of what happened to us 17 years ago. All right? And so today we have despised gifts that make us nervous or confused. And in so doing, what, here's what we've done. We've quenched the Holy Spirit. And we've actually uh, grown to like it. Because we're never surprised. We know it's coming. We know how long church is going to be. We, we know what's not going to happen, what's not going to happen, what's not going to happen. I'm tired of going to church and knowing what's not going to happen. I just want to be surprised more. Hey, right? So, I, so today I want, to, I, want to just, uh, I want to talk about spiritual gifts. Um, and this is just going to be base. Like there was so much stuff. This morning I, I was just like, God, what do I chop? I'm, I'm just chopping away. I'm just like putting some things to the side because we're going to have to revisit this series. and We're going to have to teach more in sessions. And I want to start teaching on Wednesday nights. I want us to start learning uh, more. We have to have the teaching gift uh, going full bore in these days in the church. There's so much we need to learn. In fact, when I spoke two weeks ago about baptism about spirit baptism, and just drew a distinction between baptism of the Spirit, which is that is when the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, takes up residence in our heart, seals us, right, and makes us a part of the family of God. That is different than baptism with the Spirit. Baptism with the Spirit is when Jesus baptizes us with power for ministry to carry out the Great Commission, right? And so many of us, and I showed that, uh, I think, meticulously throughout the Scriptures, 
And showing that distinction right there, and so many, of, so, so many of you came to me and you said, I've never heard that taught on before in church. Guys, this, this, is, this is craziness. That we, we shy so far away from the gas in our engine. <laughs> Come on, somebody's got to get righteously indignant on this, right? Someone needs to throw like a watermelon at me. Can anybody? Like, come on, someone's got to get, get perturbed here that we're, we're not, we're, we're settling here. So I want to talk today about uh, spiritual gifts. Um, I, I want to d- define them some, but I, but I want to start in this place. We, grab your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting with verse uh, 22. And I want to read something for you right here. This is a really wonderful passage. Passage. I want to read this for you. It may not be what you think it is, but we're just going to read it anyway, and we're always blessed by the words of God. But this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 26. I just want to encourage you. I've been trying to do this every week, but uh, put your phones down when you're spending time with Jesus. You say, oh, I've got a Bible on my phone. No, you won't. That's a distra- an agent of distraction and disruption, all right? And you're going to get a Facebook message from somebody that you've been waiting for, for, for 15 years for them to get back to you the moment you pull up your Bible app. I promise you it's going to happen. It does. The enemy wants to get you away from God's word. So put your phones down. Down, silence them, grab a good Bible, all right, and begin to read it. Okay, so uh, there's, they're my two cents again. But look at this, Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse uh, 22. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Let's just read to the end of the chapter, shall we? All right. No flying fruit? Okay. Uh, Look at verse 25. If if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. So here's what I want to say about this. I said we're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit, and I want to highlight this passage because what I just read, those, those are not gifts of the Spirit. Okay? When we're talking about gifts of the Spirit, this is not what we're talking about. You know what these are? They're called fruits of the Spirit, okay? This is the ministry of the Spirit where the the Holy Spirit in us and on us is making us more like Jesus. This is the process of sanctification where practically speaking, positionally speaking and spiritually speaking, we are the righteousness of Christ. We can't get more righteous, righteous. We are as righteous as Jesus. We got that at the cross. That's how we can be saved, Positionally speaking, we are the righteousness of Christ. And when the Father looks at us, he, said, he declares us righteous by his Son's righteousness, not our own. Okay? You see that? But practically speaking, we, uh, we need to become more like Jesus. So what the Bible says, you know, you have been saved, but you're being saved and you will be saved. All right? You know what I'm saying? A few of us do. We'll get there, guys. All right, but this is this is a part. This is the sanctification process where where we're becoming more like Jesus. So this is the fruits of the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit is is uh, is is 
you know, pouring love on our hearts, lovingly turning us into, into love and into joy. He's producing peace in us when we're not getting it from the world. He's, he's making us more like Jesus from the inside out. But these are not the gifts of the Spirit that I'm talking about, all right? Now, let me tell you what gifts of the Spirit are, uh, and I'll, I'll just define it like this. I actually didn't borrow this definition. This is my best, but I'm sure that it's going to sound similar to other people's. But the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to serve the body of Christ, build others up, and carry out the mission of the church. Okay? They're supernatural abilities given by the Spirit to serve the body of Christ, build others up, carry out the mission of the church. There are wonderful tools that God gives us. They're not our identity. <laughs> they are not, we don't like, they're not, set, they're not who we are. It's, it's the, it's, Whose we are gives us gifts to show other people about whose they can be. All right? So the, the gifts of this is supernatural abilities that God gives. I think once again, we, we look for you know, supernatural abilities. So I want to be able to jump off buildings and fly. Well, they, these are, there's actual, there's abilities that we could never have on our own that are supernatural in nature. And I think that we've kind of dumbed these things down. And we say, if I serve well, or I administrate well, or I see other people's needs, or I have the, an ability to be able to help other people in ways that other people just can't naturally, that's not quite as spectacular as something else. But I'm saying no. In, in, in heaven, it is spectacular. Okay? So, and here's the primary purpose of spiritual gifts. We find this in, in 1 Corinthians. Let's, let's flip over there. I love to hear the pages of, of you know, the scriptures uh, flipping in church. All right? It's how it should be. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, Keith will buy you one today. All right? It's going to be really good. All right? Yes. Yes. Uh, let me ask Keith permission for that first. I mean, Philip will buy you one today. All right? So, but uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Let's, let's listen to this for one second. It says this. It says... To each, this is talking about, here's the context, the, the, the context is blood-bought kingdom people that have put their faith in Jesus and been saved and becoming more like Jesus, all right? Now, now, with these people, it says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, there's a whole lot just in that verse, to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I really want to direct your eyes just for a moment uh, to the first two words, to each is given, it's, it's not to, uh, to, or the first four words, to each is given. It's not to each is earned. You don't earn spiritual gifts. You're given them by grace, <clears throat> all right? So you, you're not earning stuff. You're not, if I just fast for seven more weeks straight, all right? If I just, like, you know, uh, you know do some self-torture on myself a little bit more, I might catch it. You know, that is in the church. That is in the church. If I just hurt myself more, my father will give me something. Like, what kind of, God's not like that, friends, all right? So uh, to each is given, so you, you, you receive gifts of the Holy Spirit by grace, but to each, every person in the body of Christ, uh, have, they, they don't just get a gift, they, here, I, I'm skipping ahead of myself, I just want to say this and then I'll, I'll make up for, for what I'm saying, but to each is given, I, I really believe that each person has access to all the gifts, Okay? It's not, if, if it's the other way, it's to each, then suddenly that's when gifts become our identity. All right? So you say, well, I, here, here's my gift. Well, I'm an apostle. Well, here's my gift. Well, I'm an administrator. Well, here's my, no, no, no. I, I, I once again, do not believe that that's how it works in the kingdom. I believe that God wants to use you and that the Spirit is available to give you gifts in moments 
that you can never have on your own. It's happened to me experientially too many times to discredit it, where I've needed, like, there's been times in my life and in my ministry where I've been in a situation where I have needed something way more than I had. I say, God, I need a word of wisdom right now, and the Holy Spirit will give me a word of wisdom, something I never could have known on my own. I'm just saying that you don't get that word of wisdom when you're saved. You get that as you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit in life, okay? But the primary purpose of spiritual gifts, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, is to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So listen to this. Gifts are given to saved people, to the body of Christ, so you can do good to others and draw attention to your Father's heart who is so good. You got this? For the common good. God wants to see his church blessed. How does he want to see his church blessed? By pouring out gifts on his kids so they can use them to point us back to God. So the Holy Spirit wants to give good gifts to people for the good of the body. He wants to see us building one another up with gifts. Um, he, he, the, the primary purpose, and here's I'm going to push into this just for a moment, but is not your identity. If you, know, uh, uh, if you use spiritual gifts as a substitute to biblical identity, it's going to be very unhealthy in the long run. And you're going to be, you know, if you make a mistake in your leadership and you've always called yourself a leader, I get gifted leader, but you make a mistake in your leadership, suddenly it's, it's not just, hey, that, there's a growth edge. Suddenly it's your identity that is being rocked. <laughs> Gifts are not supposed to be your identity. They're, your identity is a son or a daughter of the king, the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> you belong. You were born into a new family. All right? The, the gifts that God give you, gives you are not for the purpose of telling you who you are, but giving supernatural gifts so you can bless other people. Does that make sense? All right? So the primary purpose is not your identity. The primary purpose is to build other people up for the common good in the, in the body. So let's look at some of these gifts here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting with verse 4, going to verse 11. There's so many places. I had to kind of pick and choose here, but let's just do some of these. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 4, going to verse 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We just read that. To one is given, now here's the list. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits or, or discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Listen, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right? You like that? Somebody did? Good. All right? Now, now let's, let's, flip, let's, let's flip back this way. Let's go to Romans. Okay? That's the, stereotypically the, you know, the, one of the main places where spiritual gifts are, are, uh, are talked about. Romans 12 and 13 and 14, actually. But let's go to Romans for a moment. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3. <clears throat> This is good too. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a few chunks of scripture. We we just need to we just need to read it and get us in it, uh, get our hearts into it, and just say, wow, it really says that. Wow, okay, all right. It it, it takes a lot of the weird off, you know, when we actually read it in the Bible and say, oh, okay. 
Now look, uh, Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Here's one of the things that was going on in the church is people were using their gifts for the wrong reason, and they're thinking, since I have such and such a gift, I'm better than others. All right? Once again, that is, it is not who's better. Okay? But so uh, we're supposed to use the gifts with uh, humility. Now let's keep going. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members, are not, uh, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. All right, now that is the context for spiritual gifts in the church. Hey, guys, we're members of one another. We want to help one another. Right? Now look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ. According to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes with generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then it goes on and just it paints a beautiful picture of, of what the Christian life can actually look like and is absolutely amazing. But th- does that fire you guys up a little bit? Don't you love all these gifts? And, I, and here's another thing. I want, just want to say this. I think that Paul's listing a bunch, but it's not a conclusive list. I, I, think, I think there's a creative God. He's, he's, he's always uh, you know, inventing creative ways and creative gifts to give to his people. I think Paul's saying, well, here's some of them. You know, and then some of these gifts, like he doesn't list all of them to the Romans that he does for the Corinthians, and he doesn't list all, all to the Corinthians that he does for the Ephesians. Right? So these aren't conclusive lists. These are, these are just saying these are the types of gifts that God loves to give to his church. He's, he's really wild and awesome. So good, not safe. So, so here's, here's a, another thing that I, I, I want to say, though, and I mentioned this already, but I want to push into this a, a little bit, that, that all the gifts are available. And, and by that, I, I, there's, there's two avenues that I want to go down when I say that, that all the gifts are available. The, the, the first avenue is this. In May 1st, I kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, as a charismatic, and I shared my story. Um, and uh, yeah, please don't edit that one, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, uh, and they can now, that's so crazy, and all these are being live streamed, so keep listening. Uh, so... But I, I was just, let me say it this way. I was honest that I'm a continuationist. I'm a charismatic. I, 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 I believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit, and I don't believe that, that some of them started, then stopped, and we don't have access to those anymore because they were just for the establishment of the church. I just don't believe that. Because here's why. The church is still being established, first of all, and we need all of the gifts to continue that. So, but so I, so in my view, I'm, I'm a continuationist. But let me, let me tell you this, though. I sat at a lot of tables with people who are cessationists who believe that the gifts have ceased, and I, I, I still like these people. I disagree with them, but man, do I still love them. They, have, they still have lots of, you know what cessationists do sometimes? Is they, they're prophetic, and they don't know it. <laughs> or they, they do say, and I, I believe that I, I've been blessed uh, with words from God, from people that don't even believe that. <laughs> you know, and they didn't even like, wow, that was interesting. Well, I just, I'm, I'm being encouraging. No, that encouragement is the heartbeat of prophecy. Do you know that? All right, so, so but I, I am, uh, when I'm saying that all the gifts are available, I'm saying that when we read these lists, 
I believe that all of them are available and they have not ceased. That all the gifts of the ministry of the Holy Spirit are still for today uh, and they continue to be given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the opposing view to that is the cessationist view. And I, I want to, if you flip back to uh, 1 Corinthians for a moment, I just want to share with you uh, where, that, where that comes from. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and then let's start with verse uh, 8 here. It says this, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. That, that's where, this, is, this is the uh, you know, capstone verse where a cessationist, coming from the word cease, gets their uh, doctrine. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so what a cessationist says is the perfect here in this passage is the closing of the canon of Scripture. All right, when we got this, we no longer need tongues or prophecy or anything else because we have the Bible. That's what they say, all right? Um, but if you, can, if, you, uh, if you just read this, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Just, just jump down to verse 12 with me for a second. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even, even as I have been fully uh, known. Do you, do you see this when it says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face? The then is pointing back to when the perfect comes. And so this is actually talking about not looking at the Bible with our face, but looking at Jesus with our face. Because the perfect one here is not the closing of the canon, the, the canon of Scripture. The perfect one here is Jesus. It's talking about Jesus' return. And so when Jesus returns, all the gifts, like everything's going to be consummated and fulfilled up in him. And the earth is not going to go like it needs to right now. All right? It is not, you have to break a lot of, of biblical hermeneutics, biblical Bible study rules to call the perfect here anything other than Jesus. All right? So when I read this, I say, you know what? I believe that the perfect here is Jesus. I believe that when he returns, the whole thing's going to change and, and it's going to get extraordinarily better. The, the, but this is not saying that when the Bible comes, suddenly we don't need anything supernatural anymore. All right, so, so that, is, that is my continuationist view. There's multiple other places that I can go, but the perfect, not the closing of canon, the, the perfect, the return of Jesus, the perfect one coming back to earth, we will see him face to face, and we will be uh, happy about him and probably dance after we weep for 10 years, right? So uh, it'll, be, it'll be good times because he's going to be so beautiful. So... Um, so I'm also saying this, though, that all the gifts are available, so, so tongues and prophecy and, and everything that is spooky to Baptists, all right, I'm saying could be, a blessing, uh, could be a blessing to Methodists and Presbyterians and all of our friends, all right, if we would read the Bible and, and, and have an open heart to doing what it says, okay? But so all the gifts are available, that's what I mean, but I also believe this, that all the gifts being available means that we're not just stuck with one gift but can receive more. All right? This is, do you see, we're not just stuck with one gift. And I've actually seen the enemy discourage people. Maybe someone has a gift of uh, uh, speaking. And then, you know, the opportunities arise for them to serve in different areas. Maybe building a, a house on the mission field. Maybe, you know, giving lavishly and generously to a, a, a need-filled situation. But they say, you know, that's not me. I'm not generous. I don't, I can't use my hands. I'm just a speaker. Wow. You don't have to be, is what I'm saying. You're not just stuck with one gift that defines you and says who you are. Gifts are tools 
that the Holy Spirit supernaturally can endow you with, and God can give you tools to, uh, to serve in different wild ways. Let me, let me just tell you one that, that's going, and I'm, I keep jumping ahead of myself because I'm excited to get to this part, so I'm just going to go there for a second. When I was at the Moody Bible Institute that was started by D.L. Moody and R.A. Torrey, who believed in a baptism in and with the Holy Spirit, and they were driven out of town because of it, right? Um, then, uh, then Moody turned into a super fundamentalist place that actually tried to protect the world from R.A. Torrey and D.L. Moody's view. R.A. Torrey start, started fundamentalism. It's just the most whack thing you've ever heard. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so I'm at the Moody Bible Institute where they are cessationists and they don't believe in the, uh, the, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm in a room with a, a Baptist friend of mine that I was, he was my roommate for a while. And he was telling me that uh, they don't, he and his family don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but he was, you know, born in Africa, and his parents were lifelong missionaries to Africa, and he would regularly hear his parents speaking in other known tongues that they didn't know, but they just received in moments so they could talk to other people on the field, all right? But we, don't, we don't believe in the spiritual gifts, but yeah, I listened to my mom talking Swahili, and she only speaks English. Oh, wow, is that... You might want to put gas in your tank <laughs> or sharpen a few crayons maybe. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, but the, this is, this, is, this, is this weird, guys? Is, it, is this strange to you? Like, we've got someone that doesn't believe in the gifts that was listening to his parents supernaturally speak different languages. If you know anything about the Cunninghams who started Youth with a Mission, YWAM, as we know, know today, you know that their, their story and their heritage comes from someone who had a, had a passion. It was an uncle uh, of, uh, I, I forget, uh, not Lauren Cunningham, but his wife. Uh, but it, she, her heritage comes from an uncle who had a, a passionate desire for the Chinese people, but he needed to learn Mandarin, and he couldn't speak Mandarin. But he went to the field any, anyway, and while he was on the field, the Lord just gave him the gift of speaking Mandarin to be a Chinese people. It ha- it, it, listen, guys, listen. It's a verifiable fact, and it happens. Uh, it, uh, it'll be much more fun if we put gas in the car and start driving, okay? So, so you're not stuck with one gift, but you, you can receive more. Here's where I get that. Uh, look at uh, is verse 31 here of, uh, of chapter 14 of... Is that it? Actually, it was verse 31 of something, all right? Um, it says, listen, it says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, listen, if you get one gift... When you're saved, at the moment you're saved, how can Paul in his right mind tell us to desire other gifts? So the guys, think. Plain reason for a moment. How can you desire other gifts if you're just stuck with the one you got when you're saved? All right? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Look at, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy, all right? Guys, I, I'm telling you that you growing up, I thought you got one gift at conversion, and you're just kind of stuck with it. And listen, it was a gift, and it was wonderful, and, and you need to grow in it, and you need to use it. But I just want to say there's more available. I think that many times when we're on the couch watching Christianity instead of in the field, there's not opportunity to need more spectacular gifts because we're just watching, all right? I say get off the couch, Go to your neighbors. Put yourself in a situation where you need something supernatural. You need the, king, the kingdom to invade a situation at the grocery store or at Target or some place other than your couch. 
and then watch the gifts flow. Say, I, I, I've never experienced anything like that. That's because you're a critic instead of, instead of using your feet to go to need. Okay? So listen, listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 4. All right, this is, this is uh, Paul speaking to his uh, kind of like, I don't know, protege. is one of his best disciples. I'm almost done, guys, but I have so much more to say. But listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He's speaking to Timothy. Paul says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Oh, so I just thought, I was always just taught, like, you get a gift when you're saved. Well, not, not old Timmy boy. See, he, pro- he probably got a gift or gifts when he was saved. And when the elders got around him, prophesied over him, he got, him, he got another one. Do you see this? Okay. Look at, look at 2 Timothy 1, chapter 6. Just flip over. For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see that? For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Say, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the gift of God, which is in you through or via the laying on of my hands. So Paul says, I laid hands on you and you received a gift from God. Interesting. It's just interesting. Like, I love awkward moments where you have to say, "Does it really say that?" Like, so you can be a Baptist and go to Africa and speak a language, or China and speak a language you never knew. And yeah, I would say, yeah, you can. And you can constantly be desiring other gifts, not to feel better about yourself. I'm telling you, that is that is a wicked and evil road. If, you, if you're getting your identity by the gifts that you have, that, that does not end well, all right? But if you were so aflame with a heart to see Jesus glorified, you say, I want everything you've got for me, Jesus. I want to be a tool in your hand. Give me tools in mine so I can be a tool in yours. Come on, God. So I just want to tell you this too, and I, I think that there's, there's some confusion here. I, I want to talk about the gift of tongues for a second and just tell you how I see the gift of tongues. Um, number one, I do see it as a known language. And you see this in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. That's the, you know, Jesus baptizing you know, the disciples with the Holy Spirit. And they're speaking in all kinds of tongues, and people are flabbergasted. First of all, it's 9 in the morning. They look drunk. It's nine in the morning, and, and Paul's like, no, this is what Joel was talking about. This is what Joel was prophesying about. And then, they're, the, then all the crowds are hearing people speak in their native tongues. So I, I, think, I think that happens with tongues. I've even given a few examples. I'm speaking Mandarin without knowing it in other languages in Africa without knowing it. So I do believe that is a known language, but I also believe that it's a prayer language. I believe there's different types of tongues. Actually, we just read some of those verses. That's a prayer language. Look at, uh, look at 1 Corinthians. Let's flip back. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 15. I, I, know, I know here. Let me just read this and be done. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Listen to this. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. See? This is, now, this is a type of tongue where it's not a known language for people to hear. It's a, it's a prayer language. 
that, okay, I'm going to keep, keep going here. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's what New Testament prophecy is right there. Building people up, encouraging them, consoling them with the heart of the Father. So New Testament prophecy is sharing the heart of the Father, so speaking the heart of the Father over people. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But guys, do you, do you hear this? This is different than the known language, the supernaturally given known language so you can speak to other people. This is the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, now I want, and listen to this, this is Paul saying this to the church, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. The context of, of 1 Corinthians here is uh, the, the Corinthians are, are, are going crazy so much so that people are being overlooked and hurt. And, and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a free-for-all. And Paul is trying to create some, some good, healthy uh, bones and structures, saying this is how these gifts are used and operating in the church. It's not a time where everyone's just kind of going off. There's some structure here. Listen to this, verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless uh, you bring some uh, revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct tones, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker of a, a, a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Do you see this? If I pray in a tongue, I'm praying with my spirit to God. It's just me and God. But my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. All right? So that's, in my opinion, that's singing in tongues. But I will sing with my mind also. And it just keeps going on and on. We just need to read the Bible. Say, what's this? What's, we just need to read the Bible and say this. Did, did you see that uh, Paul, it, Paul well, it, later on in the scriptures, Paul says, uh, do not forbid speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 40. The very thing that we've, we have done. But, and I get it because it's been, it's been misused. And two weeks ago I was saying, you know, I'm not a Pentecostal. And, and here's why I'm saying that is because I don't believe that tongues is the evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit. I, I don't believe that, all right? Um, I, be, I believe some, it, it can happen in the Bible, at least half the time it does. So I, I do see it there. But I don't believe that it's the only evidence. And a Pentecostal, a classic Pentecostal view would be that. I'm just like, it's available. It's available. So uh, I, I just want to talk about that. I, I don't have enough time to really get into it, but uh, anymore, I just want to wrap it up. But let's, it's, I'm going to skip a few things, and let's get right to this for a moment. Um, let's just have, let's have a, actually, here's one thing that I really need to say. Uh, I felt like God was giving me a warning this morning for some people that want more of the Holy Spirit. But you know, like when Peter in the book of Galatians was eating with the, the uncircumcised, or yeah, the uncircumcised, believers. And then when people from the circumcision party came, 
Peter went and didn't want to look like he agreed with those guys, so he went and he hung out with the circumcision party. All right? I don't know if you remember that part. But then Paul, or Paul uh, publicly uh, addresses that hypocrisy and says, you can't ask people to be circumcised if you are condoning <laughs> this over here. You're, you're operating in hypocrisy. And I believe that, that God wants to give gifts to the church, but, but what has to happen is that we have to resist the fear of what is it going to look like when my circumcision party friends see me sitting at the table of the uncircumcised. Or in other words, what's it going to look like when my cessationist friends see me sitting at continuationist tables? What are they going to think? And I, I actually believe that until we say, God, I, you are the treasure and the Savior and the Lord of my life. Until we say that, and I'm willing to stand against any party for you, Jesus, until we say that, if we're, you, you, can't, uh, you can't ride that fence. And I feel like so many times in my life, I was so blessed by cessationist friends and people that just didn't believe uh, in, in some of the moves of the Spirit that I did, that I just went and I sat at their table and I tried to blend in so they would like me. And that, my friends, is a good recipe for cooling off and quenching some things. And I think that, that some of us, we just need to say, you know what, this is, this is my table, and I hope because of the cross, not because of our uh, views and opinions on spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit, I hope because of the cross of Jesus, which we are fully in alignment on, I hope that we can actually sit at each other's tables and, and, and encourage one another and challenge one another. And I think that's what discipleship looks like. It looks like it's denominationalism is we have to go with the people that agree just like us. But I think in the kingdom, that's a whole bunch of varying views and we all just come together and we kind of battle it out, but we hug when we leave. And so I just want to encourage some people, like, like maybe you're holding back some things that you feel the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door, but you just want to be viewed. You don't want to be viewed as like a charismatic or weird. And I just want to say, hey, here's the question. How does Jesus want you to be viewed? Can you just be okay with that? Listen, like, like those people are going to leave you eventually. <laughs> I'm telling you, eventually, Jesus won't. He just won't. And so can we just, have, can we just have a moment here just to quiet our hearts? I just want to pray something over you here. So Lord, as I'm doing my best, God, you, you've given me a, a random mind. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to minister some things that need a whole lot of, of kind of more systematic, step-by-step -step kind of stuff. But I just pray in the midst of all of it, God, you would, uh, you would minister by your spirit to our hearts. And I just want to pray specifically for, for people that are just afraid to sit at a table. They see it in scripture. They're just afraid of what other people are gonna think of them. That's, that's idolatry. God, I, just, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us such a taste for Jesus. Such a taste for Jesus that we, we don't even see tables anymore. We just see you. And if we have you, we have everything. God, I just pray, I, I just pray against like this, this weird denominational stuff that actually wants to just keep us down, wants to keep us pretending that we're driving when we're not. We just want to be a, a church and a people, God. I just pray for individuals. Just pray for people, God, that we would be a people of your word and then of your spirit, God. And so even right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would, you would move in, 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 a, in a beautiful way, making sense to some things that just have confused us and bothered us in the past and healing up some things. And we've had bad experiences with people that were just kind of got it wrong. 
God, it happens. It happens, God. This is not nobody even operating according to your spirit, Father. It gets it right 100% all of the time, God. I just pray for grace in the church again. They will see people through the lens of grace. We'll be committed to one another, lifting up Jesus. But God, just I just pray we come out of our boxes now. We put gas in our tanks and we would just go into the future that you're giving us, God. God, we just pray that. Just pray that over people. Pray that over people, God. Bless people. Bless these people. Let them know that they're loved. God, Holy Spirit, just like sometimes when you when you fall, it's like liquid love covering people. I just pray for that now. I just pray for uh, a warmth in hearts. I just pray, God, that you would just touch people in, in a way, just letting them know that you've got them. You, you'll lead them by the hand. You're not going to orphan them. So we just bless you right now. And as a church, God, we just pray that you would lead us into greater, more glorious days than we've ever experienced. We want to be a Jesus church that demands we be a Holy Spirit church. And we want everyone to see the heart of the Father. So God, just help us. Lead us. But do it in power, God. We're, we're willing to go where you take us. And we bless you this day and pray these things now. In Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.